TGIF. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Carl Higby. Obviously, Greg will be back on Monday, but throughout Trump's presidency, liberals have called him a dictator. They called Trump anything under the sun, Nazi-like, totalitarian, whatever. I mean, listen to some of the garbage nonsense they spew. Trump is acting like a third world dictator here. A wannabe dictator like Donald Trump. Donald Trump continues to behave like an itinerant dictator. Donald Trump is out. He's, he's acting like a dictator. So what does that make Joe Biden and his merry band of, well, dictators? They're preparing to lock down the economy again, mask our children, take away our lawfully and constitutionally owned guns, tax money we've already been taxed on, and take away our rights to free speech. I mean, some even want to make it a hate crime to criticize Dr. Fauci, the man who's been wrong on COVID at nearly every single turn. Bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? This is not a major threat for the people in the United States, and this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. People should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. If you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. It's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. <laughs> they want to make it a hate crime to criticize that guy because he would, of course, he could never be wrong. I mean, liberal, liberals ruin everything. I mean, they really do. Name one thing, one seriously, one thing that liberals have ever made better. I mean, everywhere, everywhere, give or take, all places they have total control over, places where everything gets done their way. I'm talking state, local government, People are leaving in droves. These cities and states are complete dumps. And it's not because of something like a, a meteor strike or an alien invasion or an earthquake. It's, it's not like they didn't see this coming. It is directly related to their policies. They pass, quite frankly, really stupid laws that include ridiculous taxes. They let people shoot heroin on the street. They let people take over eight blocks of a major city and declare themselves a separate Chaz Chop autonomous zone. I mean, California, Connecticut, New York, the list goes on and on. In Detroit, you've had, I don't know, exclusive Democratic control for like more than half a century. The city's a mess. And when the Republican points that out, liberals just, they can't argue the facts on it. So what do they go to? Their number one talk, you're a racist. That's what they got. Perfect example. Remember Baltimore? After the riots for Freddie Gray's death occurred, a city that was basically already in shambles, burned and looted by its own people. This was largely the response of the Democratic Party. Make the phone call, send the email, show up. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. And unfortunately, there's plenty to go around. This is a particular moment in American history where 400 years of oppression, 400 years of racism are being addressed in a very, very powerful way. That can't compare to anything else. And people's voices needed to be heard. This is not just a moment, it is a movement. It is a movement that is fueled by the, the diversity, the beautiful diversity of who we are coming together as a unified body, uh, demanding in this case change and justice for everyone. Nope, it was unlawful rights. Somehow though, these liberals, they thought the level of outrage became this level of justification. This is about bad leadership by Democrats. Plain and simple. Look, I, I know some liberal in Baltimore right now is probably watching this, but like, no, Carl, it's about race. It, is it? 
I mean, okay, fine, let's say it is. What is the problem? Because those Baltimore rioters, where they were burning down their own city at a time when Baltimore had a black mayor, a black police chief, a majority black police force, a majority black city council, a black president with a black attorney general, your argument sucks. It has nothing to do with racism. It's not about racism. It's not about the, whatever they said, the 400 years of oppression. It's about bad policies. You try to make it about race, but your argument against my opinion cannot be based in any reality. Nothing supports their stance whatsoever. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I mean, it, that talking boy may work on CNN, but it's not work, it doesn't work in reality. You would think that one Democrat somewhere, any Democrat, would look at this under this pesky thing called data, or even maybe open the first page of a history book before opening their mouth on any topic. Say, I don't know, you could do this all day, pick one, healthcare. It, it was best when Obama and his friends, they wanted to overhaul the entire healthcare system since their flagship enterprise, the VA, did so well under government control. I mean, sure, what could go wrong, possibly go wrong? We'll do it for the rest of the country, right? Sure, what they sold the American people sounded great. Oh, wow, free health care for everyone. But again, this thing called reality was that they were going to take every dollar that was being used in the system for research, for grants, for innovation, and redirect it to providing a one-size-fits-all health care plan that even included maternity, men, or maternity care for men. Real great job, Democrats. This is what you get when you get their policies. And then they said their surrogates went out and they said, oh, look at, look at how healthy everyone is in Sweden, Denmark, and in a few other European nations. Great, that's their example. What they didn't tell you is that how long those folks wait for an appointment, a cancer screen, or anything else they need. And you know what? What they also conveniently forgot to mention is when a prominent person in those countries needs some actual health care in a timely manner, you know where they go? America. Why? Because we are the cutting edge. We do it better because our system is better than their system. So why are we diving headforced into it? Oh, by the way, when, they, when a virus leaked from a Chinese virology lab and killed millions of people, you know who engineered a vaccine in record time? Trump in America. Not Sweden, not Denmark, or Chad, Sudan, Nigeria. It was America. And you know who benefited from America's medical breakthrough? Everyone else in the world. Because our free market system works. When America's on top, everybody else benefits too. You have this argument with a liberal, and they'll just change the subject. This is what they do. When they lose an argument, they just change the subject. Oh, well, it's because uh, the rich need to pay their fair share. Really? Okay. Let's have that argument, too. What's their fair share? And they'll never answer it because they don't, they don't know. Most of these people advocating for the rich to pay more don't even know what they pay. The top 1% in this country pays very much less than 10% very much less than 5%. So what's fair? The top 1% should pay 10% of America's income taxes? 20%? No. They should pay somewhere around 15%. They don't pay 5%. Anybody could see that as unequal and unfair. So they should pay 15%, he says. And the richest 1% now pay less than 10%. Then he said less than 5%. But that's so silly because, and I bet most of you don't know this, the IRS says the richest 1% of taxpayers already pay 34%, twice what Sharpton wanted them to pay. Oh, God, you can't make this stuff up. This is my point. Liberals have no idea what they're talking about most of the time. They just don't. 
I mean, never mind the irony of a guy complaining the rich don't pay enough while making millions of dollars himself and avoiding paying taxes on it. Democrats are always trying to raise taxes. I, I honestly, I can't recall a time in my life when a Democrat ever lowered taxes. I really can't. I, I just don't know any. 38 years old. I mean, seriously, why isn't every Republican running on this simple banner? Hi, I'm Republican. My name is X. I want to lower taxes. That dude over there running as a Democrat will make you pay more. Period. End of story. Full stop. I mean, come on, GOP. Let's get our act together and get some messaging on this. Seriously, everywhere liberals are, businesses are leaving. Mostly because of taxes. A California, a beautiful place, tons of reasons for businesses to be there, abundant natural resources, it's got everything. Why are people leaving? Because Newsom wants to raise taxes, he wants control, he wants to shut down your business because Democrats ruin everything. Where are they going? Conservative states, Florida, Texas, Wyoming, etc. This is not rocket science. Look at the policies of where they're coming from, look at the policies of where they're going to. Take notes and make your state like that. It's like, it's the simplest concept. I just don't understand why people don't get it. And, you know, they'll come back and say, oh, well, you know, Carl, if they just had some basic income, it would really help people out. This is the new policy, you know, from all those failed liberal utopias. Really? Really? So if we just give people money, it'll help everything else like we did with the COVID unemployment subsidies that went out? Really? That worked out, really. Turns out that if you pay people not to work, guess what they don't do? They don't work. Yet another liberal policy leads to businesses suffering. Because when people don't work at the entry level, you can't get employees because they make more money if they're not working. Oh, I, look, I could do this all day. You pick any issue, I will show you why the policies I vote for are better than those of the Democrats. And even in the face of all this, most of these people, when presented with overwhelming evidence, will still not vote Republican. That's how stubborn they are. Look, I have, shockingly enough, I have a few liberal friends, believe it or not, and they went to Florida during the pandemic. They come back and they're like, yo, Florida's awesome. No masks, businesses open, low gas prices. It's great. If we could just get rid of Ron DeSantis. I look at these people. I'm like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, I tried to explain to them that DeSantis is the reason why these policies are the way they are. It's not by accident. It's not like this just happens in some places. This is the same level of reasoning that claims to be the party of science, but thinks you know, gender is like a social construct or something. You know, Democrats, well, you know, some of them might be halfway decent folks, like a great neighbor to borrow, I don't know, like a cup of sugar or a rake from or something like that, but they shouldn't be anywhere near any type of governance. I mean, because when they get into power, there is no choice. They call Trump a dictator. They're actually dictating everything. Everything they don't like. They'll tax it, and if they can't tax it, they'll ban it, and then they'll swarm you with social pressure and legislate you to force you to accept their way of thinking until you submit. Because free thought is the enemy of their policies. They'll do whatever they want. Like, like Obama, his 700-person proposed birthday party during a pandemic, so-called pandemic, but you can't go visit your dying grandmother in the hospital because, you know, science and stuff. Thank, thank God he canceled it. But imagine for a moment if the roles were reversed. Okay? Let's look at this as a liberal. I mean, bear with me. I know you guys have jobs and it's hard to put yourself in their shoes. But think about this. They're already mad because their ideas are horrible and they never work. But imagine for a moment you're one of these liberals, you know, sitting in your parents' basement. You got your blue hair. You're fighting on the front lines of the keyboard war. And Trump is still president. Imagine this for a sec. 
Imagine he comes out and he says, masks are banned altogether. Can't wear one, even if you want one. Imagine if he mandated everybody went and worked through the pandemic. I know what you're saying. Oh, the science, forget that. The liberals threw that out a long time ago. Their argument is purely emotional, but stay with me here. What if Trump mandated everybody must own a gun? You know, and what if he said abortions are outlawed? The left would be hysterical. But that scenario is no different from what's going on now with the opposite side of the political ideology. The only difference here is that Trump never did that. Trump gave you the option. The Republican platform gives you the option, the freedom of choice. Trump, the so-called dictator by the left, said, hey, folks, I created this vaccine in record time, and I want to provide you the option to get it. He said, I don't agree with abortion, so I'm going to use my platform to advocate against it, but I'm not going to unilaterally outlaw it. He and DeSantis, they got together. They worked on this new law to craft you know, the, the ability for you to, to, for them to enforce your choice to mask your kids or not. Making a law ensuring choice. Think about that. When have liberals ever done that? Oh, oh, right, with abortion, but under the guise of my body, my choice, while killing another human being. Isn't it ironic that they're now forcing federal employees to vaccinate because, you know, they say, if you don't, it could kill another human being? Their entire platform, entire platform is a steaming pile of hypocritical horse manure. Yep, I said it. A steaming pile of hypocritical horse manure. Not only do the liberals in Congress have policies that are actively working against us to make this great country worse, they're also wild hypocrites. Listen to what the left woke superstar Cori Bush had to say. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety net. Yep, she gets personal security, but you and I defund the police. We can't have our guns. We can't protect ourselves because she has to be there. Hmm. Well, I want to bring in Congresswoman Beth Van Dunn. She is a Republican con congresswoman of Texas. What do you think of uh, Cory Bush's statement that, well, we, you know, you can't have protection, but me, I might spend 200000 of your tax dollars on it. I, I think it's exactly what you've been saying, is they say one thing, and then they do a, a complete other thing for themselves. It's for thee, not for me. And, you know, she's saying, well, I've had threats in my life. I'm going to be protected. Why is her life worth so much more than the constituents that she represents? She's willing to have their livelihood, their safety put in jeopardy, all for this political talking point, all for political theater. And yet, at the same token, she's saying, well, I deserve to get $200,000 or whatever it takes to keep me safe, but I'm going to take away your safety. You are hearing this over and over again from this far-left socialist uh, elitist uh, Democrat party, and it needs to stop. Yeah. You know, Congressman, I, I, I hold a much less significant office than you. I'm on the, what is the equivalent of the town council of my hometown. And I have a public email address, and I go out to people, and all the people that are on the, on the town thing with me, they're like, why do you just, like, let people, anybody talk to you about any issue? They, I was like, because I am the, the, I ran to be a servant of the people. And this is what people like Cory Bush don't get. It's like, you, you know what? In all essence, when you run to represent people, you work for the people. You are under those people because they are your boss. They cast a vote and they put you there to represent them. And when I see stuff like this, I think like, 
how in the world is this woman not thrown out of office on the very next election? I, look, I was on town council. I was on city council for six years. I was mayor for six years. And what you have to do is get out and talk to people where they feel the most comfortable. You have to talk, but not just talk to them, but listen. And you know, I don't see her doing a whole lot of that. As soon as, as votes are up in D.C., I come home. You know, I was working a, a shift at the racetrack down the street because I wanted to talk to the to the people who work there. I want to find out what are you seeing? How is life for you? What's going on in your community? And they'll tell you, we can't hire people right now because of the extended unemployment. We're paying people more to stay at home than to come, come to work. And everybody suffers as that. I mean, you think about going out and, and trying to eat. You think about the prices that that, that the inflation that that's having, that that's causing. You know, the increases in pretty much everything because they can't get drivers to bring, you know, products to the market. It is making all of us suffer. It is these extreme leftist policies that are doing it. Yeah, and, and we just keep... I want to ask you real in. quick about, uh, you know, we're talking about failures of the left. I mean, that's basically what their entire platform is. But the, the border, I mean, I know this is tried and true, but the border, they're like, they want to, here in New York, you vaccine passports, you can't go in. Like, if I walk across the border from the south, I get no testing, no masks, no whatever, and I get a bus ticket to wherever I want to go. Why can't they get this straight? They want to shut down restaurants, but not the border? Well, look at what they're doing in, in D.C. last week. They were arresting you know, dissidents that didn't agree with them, they're arresting um, Republican staff members for not wearing a mask, and yet they're allowing hundreds of thousands of people every month to come over our border illegally. Again, it's one thing for them, it's another thing for us. Um, will, it, will it continue? Yes, it's going to get worse before it gets better. People are going to have to stand up and say enough is enough. That's what we're doing in Congress. I mean, you see, you see me and my Republican colleagues all standing up, talking to the press, showing a light on it, but, you know, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it. But everything from what's going on our borders to looking at our energy insecurity now, when we, we did have energy independence, now we don't. You look at the cases that are coming in over the border and the insecurity there. You look at what's happening in our streets. You look at our inflation. You look at the prices that we're paying on the pump. You look at our economy, people not being able to open up their business. They can't find people. Can't. All of this is role. All of it. And it needs to change. Yeah, well. Texas Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, thank you very much for staying on the front lines. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, coming up, a La Mesa police officer was fired over a viral arrest video that basically shows him doing his job. His wife joins us next. Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming Well, former La Mesa police officer Matthew Degas was fired for and criminally charged in connection with a controversial arrest made on May 17th in 2020. Now, Degas was on trolley duty when he saw a 23-year-old, Marie Johnson, smoking at a trolley station, which is illegal. When Degas went to arrest Johnson, he was struck and assaulted, and the rest was captured on video, uh, video via body cam. And now Johnson's friend took a video. Hey, get the f off me, bro. 
Cause you got me for it, bro. I already told you it's coming straight. You look goofy as bro. Stop touching me, bro. Obviously, nobody's going nowhere. Hey, 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 what I tell you? I told you I was waiting for somebody to come here. They right here. Well, Degas is expected to appear in court next week. Now, joining me now is the founder and director of operations for the Pipe Hitter Foundation and the author of The Man in the Arena, From Fighting ISIS to Fighting for My Freedom, Eddie Gallagher, and the wife of the officer, uh, Christina Degas. How are you both? Uh, Christina, this is really, really shocking to me. Uh, it seems like a lawful arrest. And, of course, the mainstream media talking points just played the last half second of the video, not the full thing. So tell us a little bit about what actually went down here. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, but May 27th uh, last year changed our lives um, entirely. So Matthew was assigned by the La Mesa Police Department to work a trolley enforcement detail that day. Um, he was there with other officers. And the purpose of them being there was to contact everyone on MTS property. Um, it's a very high crime area in La Mesa. So the police department regularly implements these enforcement details. So mm -hmm. Matthew was there that day doing his job the way he was trained and ordered to do by the department. Um, and it was during a consensual encounter with the subject that it was discovered they did not have a trolley pass on MTS property, which resulted in a detention. Um, so the subject refused to provide his name, um, walked away, and then ended up striking Matthew during the detention, uh, which is what led to the low-level use of force and arrest. Um, so had the subject just cooperated and given his name, he would have been given a warning and then released. Um, but of course, a bystander video of only the low-level use of force that Matthew used um, went viral. They posted it online along with the hashtag George Floyd. Um, and that led to immediate protests at our home, um, at the police department as well. Those protests devolved into looting and arson and violence. Um, and so it became a politically charged incident, which heavily influenced how the leaders at La Mesa um, handled this investigation. Yeah, I mean, it is shocking to me. This is this is the media sensation about stuff. Is like they don't want to focus on the criminals. They want to focus on the police making sure the criminals don't commit crime. Now, Eddie, you obviously just went through this. You had a massive victory where you were basically acquitted of all charges in a similarly political, politicized thing. So you started this group called the Pipe Hitter Foundation, which swoops in, helps fund legal fees, living expenses, and things like that. Tell us about what Pipe Hitters Foundation is doing for Christina and her family. Yeah, so, you know, a case just like theirs is the exact reason we started this foundation. You know, unfortunately, we know how it feels to be hung out to dry for a political agenda or certain leaders bound to the mob. Um, so what we're doing is we step in, we help fund their legal defense, uh, we advocate for them, and then we also will uh, fund for their uh, emergency relief fund for their families as they're going through this. Because as uh, she just explained, it's, a, you know, what, what they're going through is a nightmare and it's a very stressful time. And uh, so we want to step in, help them out as much as we can. Yeah. So, Christina, in uh, nothing, there's no amount of time that we could express the, the pain and suffering that your family is going through. But give us like the 30 second overview of what it's been like for the last year. Constant agony. Um, and that almost feels like an understatement. This is the fight of our lives. Um, not only has my husband been wrongfully slandered in the media for over a year now, but we had to move. Um, we had unrelenting protests at our home and death threats. So we had to sell our home um, that we had just purchased for safety reasons. So we had to move kind of in the midst of this yeah. um, life upheaval. And it's just been um, 
It's just been wrong, if yeah. I could sum it in one word. Well, I mean, Eddie, real quick, I got about 15 seconds left. How much do we need and how do we raise the money to help these people that just unfortunately have this terrible situation? Sure. So, you know, we can go on to uh, pipehitterfoundation.org and uh, donate there, and that money will go straightly to the Degg's family uh, as they're going through this um, this trial and everything yep. they're going through. Um, so that's the way. All right. Eddie Gallagher, Pipe Hitters Foundation. It's right down there on the bottom of the screen. Christina Degas, thank you very much for joining about it. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Coming up. Thank you, Carl. Last summer, our nation's biggest cities were completely destroyed. I mean, stores looted, buildings set on fire, police officers harassed, and most of all, was frustrating for me to watch, was these people are roaming free. No criminal charges at all set to their names. So why are numerous amount of January 6th protesters still in jail fighting for their freedom? We're going to discuss that after the break. Well, today marks exactly seven months since January 6th, and guess what? There's still a ton of protesters still in jail waiting to be freed. Meanwhile, rioters of last summer's BLM and defund the police protest roam free. Hmm. They roam free through the streets of this nation. Let's take a look at this through the legal lens and bring in president of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton. Tom, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, Carl, good to be with you. So I got a question for you here. So the left has used the talking, but this was an insurrection. Okay, fine. How many people, give or take, have been actually charged with insurrection? I'm not aware of any being charged with insurrection. I mean, my general concern here uh, is that the Justice Department is prosecuting these cases in a way as to undermine confidence in the fair administration of justice. Uh, the disparate treatment of uh, the folks involved in the January 6th and uh, uh, the January 6th disturbance versus the handling of the rioters. Look, Carl, I was at the Kavanaugh hearings. I saw violence. I saw efforts to disrupt congressional proceedings. Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of any Justice Department investigation of the nature that we're seeing here. And a lot of those folks still aren't getting access to basic evidence that other uh, defendants would gain access mm -hmm. to. In fact, the American people haven't gained access to the information uh, that is that the Justice Department has, that the Congress has. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, look, obviously we know, and let me say this, if you broke into the Capitol and you broke things and you stole things, you're an idiot and you're wrong and you should be prosecuted for that. However, comma, a lot of people didn't. And the FBI basically put out an APB on anybody who was within like 100 yards of the Capitol at any given time. I'm not saying the FBI shouldn't do that, but I am saying that the FBI should do that for all riots. So what is the cause? Well, we know the cause, politically motivated, obviously, but what's the legal cause for them to separate these two things? They both destroyed property. They both broke into things. They both broke the law. Why is one being treated as basically terrorists and the other one being set free by Kamala Harris's fund that she helped raise as a VP candidate to get these people bailed out? Well, when something doesn't make make sense as to why uh, a government official was doing something in one instance and not the other or a government entity, it's usually because of politics. <laughs> it's politics. Yeah. And the politics of January 6th mandates that the Justice Department uh, uh, drop the hammer on everyone who was there, frankly, despite the extent of their involvement in criminal activity. They've, they've kind of bound up individuals who assaulted the police, who, as you say, defaced property or broke stuff that they obviously type the sort of thing that uh, suggests that uh, should be prosecuted. 
But then there are people who walk in through open doors. One person was just, uh, after being kept in jail for six plus months, uh, the Justice Department, after pretending that he committed felonies, let him plead out to a petty misdemeanor, I think it's called, uh, where he was, quote, uh, pled guilty to parading mm. in the Capitol. So, you know, there are folks uh, that are that are being um, targeted, in my view, uh, with the full weight mm. of the federal government, which is in a political way, not a not a way that right. advances the cause of justice. And of course, you know, the other big issues are they were they spying other Americans using the pretext of January 6th. We have the post office spying on social media posts. We have the FBI uh, seemingly collecting data on mm -hmm. banking uh, transactions of everyone in the D.C. area that day. Uh, this is not just about those in jail, Carl. Right. This is about other Americans who uh, the left doesn't like, and they're using January 6th as a pretext to target them as well. Yeah, I mean it's shocking. You would you would think that they would at least do ju you know justice is supposed to be blind. Everybody should be tried equally, have the equal opportunity to present evidence, innocent until proven guilty. I guess we don't live there anymore. President of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, we appreciate your insight on this. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, coming up, Drew Berquist, the founder of Mammoth Nation, is here to talk about the companies that donate to BLM and other crazy liberal organizations and why you may not want to support these companies anymore. Stay tuned. Well, the rate at which many Americans are taking a knee, apologizing for their beliefs, and our companies are actually now caving to these woke practices, it's, it's honestly alarming. So joining me now is one of the founders of Mammoth Nation and spokesman Drew Berquist. Now, Drew, um, this is something that I have been just befuddled by. I actually started doing some research on this. There's hundreds of major companies that my dollars in the past have gone to, in the past, I say, that are going completely woke, donating to BLM and other crazy things, things like American Airlines. I mean, what do you have to say about something like this? Yeah, it's well, first of all, thanks for having me, Carl. Uh, I'm glad to be here. But it is it's crazy to see what's happening. And, and so many people look, everyone, you hear this every day, mm -hmm. whether you're on the subway, you're talking to family and friends at the dinner table right. or what have you. And you hear all these people. I'm sick and tired of, of companies, you know, going this woke route, standing up for BLM, standing up for this. Yeah. But then they don't do a darn thing to change anything. And yeah. as you learn more and more, and some of these people, I've seen the report that you're talking about, there's others out there, you see the companies that are actually standing up for Black Lives Matter, standing up for all these things that directly oppose what most Americans' values are. And it's 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 staggering, it's befuddling, mm -hmm. to use your word, to see some of the companies, because a lot of them are, are ones that you wouldn't think. You've heard of some in the mainstream media, mm -hmm. but there's so many there that you're likely investing your dollars in and you're supporting the very things that you're against. Yeah, things like Nike, uh, Netflix, American Airlines, it's stuff that you never thought you would see. And they're they're taking our hard-earned money and saying, look, you know, this is this is what we want to spend our money on. We're going to give money to Black Look, they're still scrolling. They've been scrolling this list the entire segment here. I mean, yeah. so you started this Mammoth Nation, okay? It's Tell us a little bit about what it is, because most people never even heard of this. Well, you know, look, we were, like so many people in, in your audience, fed up with what is happening in this country, fed up with what's happening with companies who either they align ideologically with these groups or they just are caving to this group. The, the net outcome is the same, it's not good. And we wanted to do something different. We wanted to create a, a conservative marketplace, a place that people could go and know that they're investing in companies that support you know, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, all the things that 
are, are, are values and important to this country. And we wanted to do it in a way that it took kind of the guesswork out. You see that list that just scrolled on the screen there, and it's huge, it's expansive, and, and Lord knows how many are not on that list that should be. Right. So a lot of conservatives are saying, well, how can we do this? How can we, can we push back? The first thing is, of course, not supporting those, but then the second thing is you can come to a site like ours and where we've done the legwork for you, we've vetted companies who are there. They're either conservative and they're, or they're at least politically neutral. And then yeah. not only do you get discounts on those products, but you also it goes towards the proceeds go towards supporting conservative causes and candidates. So we think it's a win win. I mean, it seems like a no brainer. The, the other no brainer to me that every company that's ever gone woke, you got Nike posted like massive, you know, massive loss in, after supporting Colin Kaepernick. You have some of these other ones that support BLM. They always lose money. I mean, like never do they make money. And then they come out. And the, the, my problem with that is it's like, okay, fine, bad company policy, stupid decision, maybe fire the CEO. But, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other people in these companies lose their jobs because of this go woke, go broke reality. Why do they dive headfirst into this? I think they're so terrified of, again, what, you know, these loud voices that everyone's hearing and that the mainstream media is pushing out there makes it seem as though it's a majority of Americans who feel this way. And it's just not. It's it's a small percentage of Americans, in fact. But because the mainstream media is peddling it so hard and because these companies are terrified of what could happen if they don't push back against what really is lunacy, most of these 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 messages that are out there, they're, they're terrified of that. So they do it. And then what's what's sad is, is as you said, in the process, they, they kill jobs, they, they, they take away stuff, they kill their opportunity. I mean, look, call me a, a fool, but I would rather make 100% than 50%. And you, you ostracize your, 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 your audience or your um, purchasers when you do that. So it, it makes no sense to me, and it does. It always bites them in the end. So you'd think that there would be a trend and they would start to learn and pick up, oh, it didn't work for Coke, it didn't work for those guys. But they all just keep doing it, and it blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is staggeringly shocking to me. So, yeah, well, it looks like I'll be shopping at uh, places that I know that have been vetted by Mammoth Nation. Thank you very much, Drew Berkowitz. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Talk soon. New developments arise from the sexual harassment scandal against Governor Cuomo. We're going to talk about it next. Well, there's some new developments today on Cuomo's sexual harassment case. One accuser among the 11 filed a criminal report with the Albany Sheriff's Office today. In the AG report, she identified as executive assistant number one. She has accused Cuomo of reaching under her skirt and sexually harassing her at his executive mansion. Also, Cuomo's attorneys held a news conference this afternoon that was honestly bizarre, but they discussed the report that was released by New York Attorney General Letitia James earlier this week. Take a listen. We do not have the underlying evidence that has not been provided to us from that report. We have not had a chance to examine the transcripts or even memos of interview of the 179 people that the attorney general interviewed. But what I do know, based on the limited information we've been given access to, there are contrary facts and omissions from that report. Contrary facts, alternative facts. Just 11 people came out and said that Cuomo did something bad. This is far, far from being over. 
But it is impeachment in the cards for Cuomo's future. They're going to bring in our all-star historian panel to talk more about this. Presidential historian and former advisor to President George H.W. Bush, Doug Weed, and presidential historian, Reagan biographer, Craig Shirley. Welcome to both of you. Craig, I want to go to you first on this. Have you seen anybody ever survive anything even remotely close to this? Oh, sure. Uh, many times is that if you live in an environment where there's no pushback and where the alternative is uh, maybe even worse than the uh, than the present subject is that, yeah, he, it's possible he could survive. Uh, I, I don't think he will. I, I think he'll either lose by uh, re-election or be taken down. I think it's more likely he'll lose by re-election. But it's hard for me to believe that there are enough Republicans and ethical conservatives left in, in New York State to, to vote him out, even if they nominate a real, you know, Cinderella-type uh, candidate to to, uh, to beat him. Although it is possible. Next year, I expect, I think we all expect, is going to be a big Republican year, mm. and Cuomo mm. might be swept aside. It is possible. Yeah, well, Doug, I mean, look, you had... You know, people like Ralph Northam, they you know, survived doing the, the blackface thing, which was sure. got massive uh, play in the media. And it really I mean, it hurt him. But, you know, he, he survived. He's back. And now Joe Biden even endorsed him on something. I mean, this, though, is something that is like there are a lot of things. This is a criminal complaint. This is no longer civil. Uh, do, what do you see it, from a historical standpoint? Can it can he get past this? Listen, Carl, Craig is absolutely right. We could spend four hours on the sex life of the presidents. Some of the greatest presidents in history survived scandals worse than this. Thomas Jefferson, FDR, JFK. I mean, Jefferson had relationships with an underage slave. He brought her to France. His diaries filled the correspondence, filled with revealing information. They even had DNA tests a generation ago that confirmed it. And still, scholars in the Jefferson family were saying, no, 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 no. Only in the last 20, 30 years have they finally accepted, okay, okay. (laughs) So this is kind of rare for Cuomo to get caught up. But, Craig, I want to... um I want to play a clip of Bill Clinton from 1998. (laughs) These inappropriate encounters ended at my insistence in early 1997. I also had occasional telephone conversations with Ms. Lewinsky that included inappropriate sexual banner. Hmm. Well, it seems like New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is reading pages from the Bill Clinton playbook, though. I mean, is there any comparison here? Because Clinton, I mean, look, he was impeached, but then his approval rating shot back up. I just, I I never see Cuomo resigning, Craig, but I do see the potential for him to actually just stay in office. Yes, I think think it's very likely. You know, this reminds me somewhat, my favorite politician of all time is Governor Edwin Edwards of Louisiana, who was corrupt as a day as long. He was actually still running for office when he was 85, and he had a 35-year-old wife. He ran once with a bumper sticker that said, vote for the crook, it's important. Uh, (laughs) He was running against, one time, against David Duke, who was uh, the Grand Wizard of the KKK. And when asked about it, Edwin Edwards said, well, I'm something of the wizard under the sheets myself. (laughs) 
he when he was in Baton Rouge, it was literally a turnstile for corrupt contractors, corrupt ga gambling uh, establishments, uh, corrupt uh, developers. Every, yeah. You can it, it was just a, a sea of corruption. Right. Uh, but right. he but he was he was funny. You know, so yeah. so he made it. Yeah. He made his his crookery at least. Uh, interesting. Right. And, you know, and, and I don't want to be one sided here. So, look, I mean, Trump, weeks before the election, came out with the comment grabbed by the hoo-ha and, you know, he got elected. I mean, people were, were willing to look right past that. It was politically bad. But I mean, Doug, is, is this what do you think about this? Is, is impeachment on the way? I don't think Cuomo's going to survive this. Uh, but you could say part of it is the the new new Me Too movement and its lingering effects. But when you look at the numbers of his own Democrat party who oppose him, and then you have the president cutting him loose, that tells me the media now has permission. They're little lap dogs. They do whatever the president tells them to do. Now they have permission to let Cuomo go, and I think they will. The sad thing, Carl, is what happens to these young ladies. In my book, All the President's Children, I have a story there where uh, Warren G. Harding's mistress comes to Lafayette mm -hmm. Park, sets her daughter down on a bench and says, honey, you stay right there. Don't move. You don't make move an inch. Stay there no matter how long. She goes into the White House, visits with Harding on, on the second floor of the private quarters, calls him over to the window to try to get him to look out the window and see his daughter, and he won't do it. I talked to that little girl. She was a great-grandmother in Mount Hood, Oregon, and she died before DNA confirmed she was indeed yeah. uh, a child of Warren G. Harding. Presidential historians Doug Weed, Craig Shirley, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, have a good weekend. All right, you too. Next on Greg Kelly Reports, DeSantis doubles down on Biden. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. And I'm coming to you with the most important commercial that I've ever done. All of you know what my pillow and myself have gone through in the last five months in my efforts to bring the truth forward. Well, it's all come down to this. I'm having a cyber symposium on August 10th, 11th, and 12th. This historical event will be live streamed 72 hours straight on my new platform, frankspeech.com. You can help by getting everybody you know to go to frankspeech.com now. To help support this cyber symposium event, I am offering some of the best prices ever on my pillow products, but they're only offered at frankspeech.com. Go to frankspeech.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive these exclusive my pillow offers. Thank you and God bless. Well, a showdown between Sleepy Joe and Governor Ron DeSantis seems to be, well, long far from over. Earlier this week, we showed you the attempt Joe Biden made to slam DeSantis for not handling COVID like this totalitarian leader they want him to, <clears throat> Biden and the Democrats. But uh, look, DeSantis came right back with this. Why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, Sleepy Joe, he wouldn't let it in there. When asked about Governor DeSantis today, here was his response. Using your words about don't be in the way and saying I am in the way to block too much interference. Governor who? Hmm, well, that was Joe Biden's attempted dig at Governor Ron DeSantis. Here's how DeSantis fired back. 
Well, uh, I guess I'm not surprised that, that Biden doesn't remember me. Um, I guess the question is, is what else has he forgotten? Uh, <laughs> Biden's forgotten about the crisis at our southern border. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is why well, this is why we love this guy. I, I really hope to see this guy on a ticket for higher office very, very soon. But I mean, I would be willing to bet, you know, if you took one poll, where are people going to right now? They are going to Florida. They're not going to Biden's home state. All right, folks, thanks for watching tonight. We appreciate it. Don't forget, I am usually here on Saturday mornings. Tomorrow on my show, 9 a.m. to 11. Hope you have a good night. Stand by for Stinchfeld. You're not going to miss this.